Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So there is nothing more fun or more thrilling than to be able to give, to give to somebody, to give to something, to give to a church, to give to an organization. We all want to do that. We all want to be generous and to be, a, to be known as someone who is a generous person. And we talked about this last week, but there's something else about you is that you also don't want to just be generous. You also want to be a person who has this big, bold, and courageous faith that you believe and trust that God is moving, that God is working, and he's acting in your life and in the lives of others, and you want to trust God. And so in this series, what we're talking about is merging these two, this idea of of generosity and faith and seeing them collide, that you would have a bold faith that leads to bold generosity, that in faith you would give generously to your family, to your friends, to those who are in need, to your own future, to other people, to churches, to other institutions, That our faith, that your faith, that my faith is overflowing in such a way that, man, generosity is just pouring out of us. And last week, we set the stage by talking about four important principles that move us down this path of a generous faith. And I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, that you would go, go check that out, or even if you were, rewatch that. I'd encourage you to check it out, because if you can put those principles into your life, you're positioning yourself to have a bold, generous faith, to experiencing that kind of generous faith. Now, if you're visiting today, LifePoint, maybe for the first time, or the second time, or it's your first time back in church for a long time, Obviously, we are so, seriously, we're so glad you're here. We're thrilled to have you. But you're sitting here, and you've always suspected that this is what churches do. That you walk into a church, and and that's all they do is they talk about money. And I get that, and I understand that. But I want you to know that, that what we're talking about today, and this series that we're in, it's not about getting something from you. It's, it's about having something for you. Today, I actually want to give something to you. I want to give something to to those who are new and those who have been here for years and years. I want to give you something that will transform your life. So I would encourage you to hang with me. And if you're visiting, you're saying, well, I don't know if I want to go there. No problem. You can sit and listen in to like a church family conversation and just see how we talk about the subject. But I, I can tell you this. God wants to give you something today. So to kick it off, let me ask you this question. What is the basic overall objective when it comes to money? When it comes to your money. In other words, what are we trying to do with it? I want you to think about that for a moment. What's the one thing that you are trying to accomplish with your money? What's your overall objective when it comes to your money? And that's going to be different for everybody. For some of you, your overall objective, you're sitting there thinking, oh, what is my overall objective? For some of you, it's, it's to provide for your family. Listen, that's awesome. That is a great goal, but if it's your primary objective, you're missing the mark. For some of you, it might be, man, I want to make all the money I can. Now, of course, making money is important, but if it's your primary goal and objective, you're missing the mark. 
Some of you are like, no, 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 my primary goal and objective, it's all about saving. And that's noble, and saving is important, but it's only one part. For example, somebody here, some of you, you might be so focused on saving that you just have difficult being generous. And man, your family hates it because they have such a hard time getting anything from you. For some, your primary overall objective, it might be spending. That there's just something in you that's driving you to spend and you go to a store or you go online and you walk around or you browse and subconsciously or unconsciously, you're thinking, what do I need? What do I need? And now listen, if that's your primary objective and goal, you're missing the mark. Now maybe your objective is this. You want to be financially free. And that sounds wonderful. It's positive. It's a worthwhile goal. But simply being financially free doesn't encompass all that your finances is about and you're still missing the mark. All of these, they're worthwhile. They're noble goals. Maybe not the spending so much, but none of these are the whole picture. They aren't your primary objective. So what I want to do today is I want to try to ask, ask and then answer the question, what's the one thing? What's the primary objective that should guide and drive and serve for us as the true north in our finances? What's the one thing? What's the grid through which I run all of my finances and the topic of finances through? What should give me the clearest direction? Is there one objective? Is there a true north? I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is yes, and we're going to talk about that. Now, to get us there, I need to set this up for us. I want to give you a couple key nuggets to set the stage. Jesus once made this profound statement. He said this, Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said this, no servant can serve two masters. Somebody say masters. No servant can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's Jesus' summary statement. You cannot serve both God and the devil. Is that what it said? No, no, no. He said you cannot serve both God and what? God and Money. Now, now you're looking at that on the screen, but I don't want you to trust me. So go under your physical Bible, go under the YouVersion Bible app, look it up to make sure that's what it says. Okay, don't go, well, these preachers are going to try to, you know, manipulate God's word. No, no, no. This is God's word. And it says you cannot serve both God and money. So first, you only have one master, and it's either God or money. God or money, God or stuff. Now, a lot of us are, are like me, and you have always assumed, man, the conflict, the issue, the struggles that we have every day is between God and the devil. But Jesus says, no, no, no. The conflict that you're facing every day is between God and your stuff. We all have a master. And Jesus is saying the struggle and the tension that you and I are going to face is who's going to be that master? Is it going to be God or stuff, God or money? And since this struggle, this tension, it's not going away, Jesus invites every single one of us into this relationship with him where we make our, our love for our stuff, our finances and all that it entails, we make that subservient to our love and our devotion to the Lord. 
that all of the what money and finances and stuff and, and what it is and what it provides and how it affects us, that that is subservient to this passion and love and devotion that we have for God. That we'd say, God, I'm going to lay all that before your feet. I'm going to lay all my I needs and my want, and, I, and I wants, and I'm just going to put it at your feet, Jesus, and I'm going to surrender it to you. Because if we don't do that, Jesus is saying we're going to spend the rest of our life serving one of two masters, and we don't want to spend the rest of our life serving our stuff. Jesus says, one master. And the two options, according to Jesus, are God or money. The next passage of Scripture that we touched on last week that moves us closer to this, this principle, this idea of what's the true north in regards to finances, the next principle is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It's a verse that some of you have heard many, many times. Maybe you've memorized it. And Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Somebody say heart. There your heart will be, wherever your treasure is. So second, God wants your heart. This is most important. God wants your heart. Let's watch how this works. When Jesus says your, where your treasure is, there your heart is, your treasure is those things, is your, is your stuff. It's, it's your money. It's your things. And Jesus says wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow after that, which means this. If you say, hey, I want to know where Chris's heart is, it means you don't look at all the verses that I've memorized. It means you don't uh, watch my, you know, ability to pray out loud. You don't look at me and say, well, that guy, you know, looks and acts spiritual, whatever that even means. Um, you don't say, oh, oh, that guy, sure, man, he looks like he, he is right with the Lord, man, and that person is so spiritual. No, 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 no. If you want to know where my heart is, you look at my online statements, you look at my visa bills. You look at my every dollar app. You look at my giving statement to LifePoint or to other institutions or organizations. In other words, if you really want to know where Chris's heart is or where your heart is, you look at where the money goes. That's what Jesus said. Where's my heart? Where's your heart? It's where my money goes. The heart follows the money. That's the principle Jesus lays out for us. So let's follow the money. Why? Because God says, I want your heart. And the way I see, the way I can tell if I have your heart is to go look at where you put your money because your, your heart is always going to follow your treasure. So can I just ask you a simple question? Have you ever come to the place where you've truly surrendered your finances to God? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had a defining moment that was then followed up over time by, by dedications or rededications where you said something like, God, I give you my finances. God, I surrender it to you. God, here's my statements. Here's my activity. And you could see, God, that, that I am now choosing to move in your direction. And God, I am now choosing to show and demonstrate that you have my heart. Look, you can see me moving in that direction. Does God have your heart? That's what he wants. And he knows your heart follows where you put your money. Okay, with those principles in mind, 
let's look at our key passage. Remember, we're asking the question, what is the one principle that can serve as true north in terms of everything related to our finances? What's the grid that I'm running all my finances through? What's going to give me the clearest objecti- uh, uh, objective? What's going to give me and paint the clearest per, uh, picture? What's my primary objective? What's the true north I'm running my finances through? What is that? I want to tell you this as we get ready to explore this. If you choose to step into this truth, if it will serve as your primary objective, if it will serve as your true north, you will discover that that you are going to have a peace in your life that you haven't experienced before. You're going to have a liberation in your life that maybe you haven't experienced before. And you will step more into being that person who has a generous faith that you actually know that you want to have. So I want to take you back to one, about 1000 BC. And, and uh, Israel has a king and his name is David. At this point in the story of David, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles uh, in a few moments. At this point in the story, uh, and you see his life in in 1 Chronicles among other places, at this point, all of David's enemies have been subdued. He's conquered all of them, and Israel is living in a relative time of peace. David looks around and he recognizes, man, he has this beautiful city, he has this beautiful home, this beautiful palace, and yet God is still living in a tent. It's what we call the tabernacle. And and, and inside this tabernacle, this tent, which they would move around from place to place, you had the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is where God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments for the people of Israel. And so David's looking around and he's saying, man, I have this beautiful uh, palace and God has this little tent. And David decides, I need to give God something more permanent. You know, I don't want God living in a tent anymore. I want to give him something more permanent. I want to build him a temple rather than have a tent. And so he goes before God and talks to God about this. And and God says, David, I'm okay with that, but you're not going to be the one to build it for me. You got too much blood on your hand, the things you've had, hands, the things you've had to do, it disqualifies you from being able to do that. But your son will go ahead and build it for me. David says, no worries, but... I still want to participate. So what David says is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get everything ready for my son. And so uh, David hires the architects and the workers and the builders and the, and the experts and all this. And, and then he enters into a capital campaign with the people of Israel to raise the money so his son would have everything in place, everything he needed to hit the ground running so he could build the temple. Now, it's estimated that David gave in the neighborhood of billions of dollars of his own personal wealth, which is just mind-boggling that he had that kind of wealth. And David invited the people to join him, to give generously to build the temple of God, the house of God. And we know from Scripture that the people gave generously. And in the midst of the people, once they they announced it, and this is what's been given, and, and in the midst of all that, they're celebrating And during that, David offers up this prayer to God. And in this prayer, we gain insight, you and I, to how David views wealth, how God views wealth, and see how it actually parallels what Jesus was talking about a thousand years later. In this prayer, you and I are going to see the one objective, the the true north 
that if we will keep it front and center in our finances and how we organize our finances, how we handle our finances and our wealth, if we will keep this front and center, then we'll have the generous faith. So I want to pick it up in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to start in verse 10. And it says this. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, and here's his prayer, Praise be to you, O Lord God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then here comes his summary statement. He says, uh, verse 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and splendor. In other words, God, this is all about you. Everything in life is about yours. You, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Verse 11, for everything, say the word everything. Everything in where? In heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. Meaning, Ultimately, everything belongs to God, right? That's what we were talking about last week, that God owns everything. He's the owner that we're simply managers called to manage what he's entrusted to our care. Verse 11, David says, God, you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In other words, not only does everything belong to God, but it actually comes from God. The honor and the wealth that anybody enjoys in this life, it comes from God. Verse 12, in your hands, God, are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. David says, look, God, I recognize I have worked really hard, and some of us, we've worked really hard in our lives and David says, I, I realize I've worked hard, and I've done this, and I've accomplished these amazing feats, but God, I can't even begin to take credit. God, you're the one. You're the one who gave me the talent. You're the one who gave me the ability. God, you're the one who gave me the mind, the ability, the insight, the wisdom. God, you're the one who gave me the resources. God, you're the one that we exalt, and you're the one who exalts us and gives us the strength. Verse 13. Now, our God, we give you thanks, and we praise your glorious name. It reminds me of the Jewish prayer that we talked about in the fall. We bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, forgiving. And then you bless God. I pray that somewhat regularly now in my life. Woke up this morning. As soon as I woke up, I said, I bless you, O Lord, our, my God, King of the universe, for giving me a restful sleep. Some Saturday nights, I don't sleep so well. I'm thinking about Sunday mornings and all that. And I was grateful. Last night was a deal. And I just said, I bless you, O Lord God, for giving me rest. And so, uh, verse 14, David goes on and says, but who am I, God? And who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? How, how is this possible, God? We're thrilled to give. But how are we even able to be generous? Here it is. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. God, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from you. Somebody say the word everything. Everything comes from you. I want you to think about what David just prayed. He said, everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. And even through us, everything is distributed by God. What's the key word in all three of those sentences? It's the word everything. Everything. Therefore, 
What is it? What's the one driving force? What's the one motivating factor? What is the true north, the clear objective? Our primary objective, our true north is simply this, to honor God with everything. To honor God with everything. Somebody say everything. To honor God with everything. Let's think about this in terms of finances for a second Uh, because that's where this series is how we're kind of uh, talking about. Maybe you were raised and taught to give God a tithe. That word tithe literally means 10%. So maybe you grew up and your parents helped you with that. And so if you made a dollar, you were taught by them to give a tithe. And so if you made a dollar as a little kid, what would they, how much would you give back to God? You give a dime, right? If you made $10, you'd give a dollar. If you made $100, you'd give $10. If you made $1,000, you'd give $100. If you made $10,000, you'd give $1,000. If you made $100,000, you'd give back to God $10,000. And the numbers are getting big, right? And you're like, oh man. You were taught to give a percentage to God. Now, I believe percentages are good. When you're thinking about and praying about and deciding what to give, as opposed to just being random with some random number. But unfortunately, what some people have concluded, whether purposefully or accidentally, they've concluded this. God gets his 10% and the other 90% is mine. God gets his percentage and the other percentage is mine. I gave God his cut. Now the rest of this is mine to do what I want with. But listen, there's nothing in scripture that even hints that that's the proper way of how God views our wealth. A generous faith is not simply giving, it's living. A generous faith isn't what, just what you give, it's how you live. And, and, and we're seeing here through the words of David, we are called to honor God with all of it, not just a percentage, but to honor God with everything. Think about it. If I loan you my vehicle, what percentage of my car do I expect you to take care of? Think about it. Like if you bring it back to me and it's like thrashed and, and like even you got in an accident and all this and you're like, well, that 10%, perfect. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? If I loan something to you, I'm not thinking in terms of percentages. I'm thinking in terms of all of it, the whole thing. This is how God views our stuff, our wealth, our finances. He doesn't think in terms of percentages. Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? So my objective, my true north, when it comes to saving and buying and loaning and giving, when it comes to anything with our finances, everything is driven through the grid of how do I honor God with everything? Somebody say everything. Everything. And if that strikes fearing you, if that's like causes you to be anxious or kind of just kind of get nervous, Let me just ask you why, why? Why would you resist that? I'm guessing because part of what goes on in your mind is you start to conclude, man, if I start living this way, the way God's talking, God's just gonna start taking more and more and more from me. Well, first of all, if God wants to take something from you, he doesn't need you to surrender. He'll just take it. Okay, he'll just take it. 
Second, God doesn't want to take our money. He just wants to make sure our money isn't taking us. God doesn't want something from you. God has something for you. How do I know that? Well, let's go back 2,000 years ago. God didn't want something from you. God had something for you. What was it? For God so loved the world that he took. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he, that he gave he gave us Jesus so that we would have forgiveness of our sins, so that we would have the gift of eternal life. Jesus said, I am giving you life to the fullest, life abundant, real and better life than you can ever imagine. God doesn't want something from us. God has something for us. So when you and I decide, God, I want to honor you with everything, with all of it, I'm just telling you, there's freedom in that. And there's peace in that. And that grid, that filter, that's what now can serve for you and I as a legitimate, biblical, godly, true north in terms of our finances. And it will lead us to the generous faith that I know every single one of us actually wants in our lives. So where do you start? Where do I start? simple. It's the same place I started about 30 minutes ago. Prayer. You go before God and you simply in humility and in faith, you say, God, show me how to honor you with everything. In your way, in your words, between you and your heavenly father, God, show me. Let me see it. Let me see the ways in my life that I haven't been honoring you with everything. Show it, reveal it to me by your spirit. Show me how to honor you with everything. That's gonna look different for, for us. For some of you, you are great at saving, but man, you're horrible at giving. And God says to you, it's time to start giving to me. Give to me because I want your heart. And so for some of you, it's honoring God with your giving. For some of you, you are great at giving, but you're irresponsible when it comes to saving. And so for some of us, God is saying, the way you honor God with everything is come up with a plan and start to have a savings plan. For some of us, it's just time to spend less. It's not that you can't afford it. For some of us, you know you can afford it. That's not the issue. The issue is not whether or not you can afford it. The issue is whether or not you're honoring God with it. Or is there something in your life where, where God's saying, hey, I want you to honor me with it because I haven't seen self-control in your life. And you say, God, I wanna honor you with my spending and I'm gonna spend less because that's how you're calling me to honor you with everything. Some of you, you might have this item or this collection that's just really, really important to you. And is God against having stuff or an item or a collection? No, God's not against that. But for some of you, God knows that's where your heart is. And that has more of your heart than God. And perhaps for some of you, God, show me how to honor you with everything I have. Perhaps for some of you, God's saying to you, I want you to liquidate that. And I want you to give it to somebody else. For some of you, shopping is your sport. 
I mean, that's just your sport. And you are wasting your time looking for something you need. Those are just examples. There's more. But what's the point? The point's to ask God the question, God, how do I honor you? Show me, God. How do I honor you with everything I have? Show it to me so I can step into it. Man, this is so liberating. If you could organize your life around this principle, this true north for your finances, God, show me how to honor you with everything that I have. The key to having a generous faith is intentionally surrendering it all, everything, not just a percentage, but all of it to God. So I ask you as we wrap it up, would you be willing to surrender all to Jesus? To say to God, God, today is a moment, me and you, I surrender all. My life, my income, it's all yours. And I want to be available to you, God. So just show me how I'm going to honor you in that. Would you be willing to pray that now? Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you with hearts open to what you have for us. If you're here and you're ready to, for the first time, pray this prayer, or maybe this is a rededication, a reminder to honor God with everything, would you just pray something like this? Say, God, I'm coming before you today, my heart wide open, choosing to honor you with everything you've entrusted to my care. Because I know, God, I can only give what you've already given to me. So show me, God, what it looks like. Some of you, the Holy Spirit's talking right now, and you're sensing what area of your life that he wants you to press into specifically. Would you just take that before him now? Maybe it's in the area of giving. Maybe it's in the area of spending or saving or spending less. Say, God, I give this area to you. Jesus, hear these these hearts of faith. Maybe you're here and you haven't yet surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus isn't yet your Lord and Savior. Man, if that's you, I want you to know God loves you so, so much. He loved you so much that he gave his life for you. He didn't want something from you. He had something for you. And if you're here and you're listening to all this, for you, the issue and the topic isn't really about money today. The issue is today about God just wants your heart first for the very first time or to rededicate your life back to him. And if that's you and you say, God, I want to give my life to you because of what you gave me. I'm going to invite you to pray. And if you pray this prayer, you will have your sins forgiven. You will have the gift of eternal life. And you will know with confidence where you will go when you die on this planet. So if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you lift this prayer up to him? Say, Jesus, thank you so much for your gift that you gave your life so that I could live. Jesus, right now, as best as I understand in faith, I just, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for, for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you, Jesus, for welcoming me 
into your family. I want to honor you with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear those cries, hear those prayers. And I pray, God, if there's anybody who's prayed this prayer for the first time, God, we celebrate with them and with the angels who rejoice over the one who was lost but is now found. God, we will honor you with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.